All right, we're doing things a little out of, out of sync today. That's good. Everyone tracking with me? We're just going with the flow of the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm really excited to open up the Word here today. I might give a shorter version of it. But uh, thank you guys for, for trailblazing with me this morning. Um, I say this a lot, but we're not, we're not just interested in playing church and um, we really, really love Jesus a lot. He's our magnificent obsession. And um, if he's not yet your magnificent obsession, you're missing out. It's, he's really, really that good and beyond. And so my hope is that this morning you already feel that, that invitation to draw closer to him this morning. Um, last week, I really, I do count it such an honor to preach the gospel. Um, I, I wanted to start the year with what's most important. I wanted to start the year with returning to our first love. And, and I, I could feel it. I could feel it, even though sometimes preaching the gospel almost feels, I, I dare to say, basic, because it is the simple gospel. Though... I've heard it innumerable times in my lifetime. I've been saved since I was four years old. The power of the gospel is, is saturated and filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and my hope and what I could sense was happening was that it was like a cutting through, a cutting through the air. There was a clarity that came as we spoke the truth that, that leaps from the word of God directly into our hearts. And it's by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God alone, that he brings, he brings that yes to your heart. These stories of scripture almost seem, seem too good to be true. They, they seem outrageous. What is this about multiplication of food, healing the leper? Are, are these symbols that they wrote thousands of years ago or did this really happen? Was this really the son of God that came to declare the beginning of the kingdom of God here on earth? Or was this all kind of a made-up storybook to help us learn some good lessons? And I'm, I'm here to tell you today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Word of God is true, it's living, it's active. And the Holy Spirit is so good. I love these testimonies this morning because not all of them were spick and span, were they? People in process. God loves to do process with you. He celebrates your process. And so no matter where you're at, he's like, just come on with me. I'll, I'll light your steps. I'll show you the way of life. He's not intimidated by your questions, your fears. He, he's not intimidated by, Jesus, if you're real, that means I got to change some things in my life. I got to look like one of those weird Christian people out there. He's like, yep, <laughs> but I'll do it with you. And we'll do it sprinkled with your personality flooded with me. And I got to tell you, you might be one of those wild ones dancing in the aisles pretty soon too, because he really is that good. We started a new series last week, all about igniting personal and community vision, and it's titled Purpose and Passion. And the goal of this series really is to set you on fire with the passion of Jesus. He is the all-consuming fire. 
and for you to find your own vision for your life. A lot of you are out here, you're like, I don't know how I ended up in LA. I'm still trying to figure out how to pay my rent, how to get things organized. I don't really have a clear sense of my purpose. And before we get to all of the ins and outs of what that looks like in the here and now of your life, we have to first look at you were made for a greater purpose. You are made for the purpose of love itself coming into your life and demonstrating heaven into your life. He didn't just come to get you to heaven. He came to get heaven into you. That is your purpose. He came, um, and, and we demonstrated last week the, the why of the gospel. We look at this, this king of glory come down from heaven to become a, a servant king upon the earth, to give up his life freely on a cross, to bleed and to suffer and to die for your sake. He did it for you. If you were the only person alive, he would do it for you. Now, what is the why? Why would he give up his life? Why would the father send his one and only son for you? It's because he is love and he is radically in love with you and he would give the ultimate price, the most he could ever give just for your life because he wants you to be with him. He wanted unity. He wanted the one that he created to be in loving intimacy and fellowship with him forever. That really is the why of the gospel. That really is the why of the gospel. So I preached last week about being awakened to God's divine love through the gospel. And from the very beginning, God pursued us through loving intimacy with those that he created. And it remains true for you today. If you found yourself in this room, there must be a reason. He's hunting you down. He's after your heart. And he wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal to, to you who he really is, what he's really like. You know, you've seen a, a lot of Christians out there probably not demonstrating what he's really like, sadly. Maybe you know some Christians that do demonstrate what he's like. Hallelujah. More of those, Jesus. Maybe you've heard about what God's like. Maybe you, maybe you have some sort of understanding. Maybe you've, you've been in a church setting where you've been a, abused in some way. But today, today I want the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to bring that healing oil that only Jesus can bring, an account, encounter and truth that only Jesus can bring, because he is drawing you to himself. He is after your heart. Um, I want to bring the definition of what the gospel is, just to bring that further clarity. This is from Peter Lewis. And he says, the gospel is a complete and final saving of mankind's spirit, soul, and body from sin, sickness, and death, experienced and apprehended by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I think that's a pretty good summary of what the gospel message is. And so today I want to continue to emphasize the importance of the gospel message and how that brings purpose and how that brings passion into our lives. And so my sermon today is titled, Made for Eternal Abundant Life. Would you guys pray with me? Jesus, we've already been, we've already been ministered by, by the, the, the glory of who you are this morning and, and we've been ministering to your heart with, with what we can bring to you. And I pray, God, by the, the power of the Holy Spirit that you would fill this time, that, that you would highlight exactly what needs to be highlighted today, that you would take 
um, me and my ordinary words and power pack them full of faith, full of boldness, full of truth, saturated by the Holy Spirit. Let your power come, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So why don't we take a moment and revisit a verse that I think a lot of you may have heard for the first time, and I know a lot of you memorized it last week, John 3.16. Can we read that out loud together? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Someone say amen. Amen. That is a good verse. It's a good one. When most of us think about the phrase eternal life, you kind of naturally think of the afterlife, where we go when we die. And as believers, we can rest in the confidence that we do have eternal life with God in heaven for eternity. It's wild to comprehend that, and we probably should be comprehending that a bit more and having an eternal perspective because the temporary frustrations and the temporary temptations of your life feel that much more minuscule when you have a perspective of eternity. All of a sudden, the things that are right in front of you day to day, you start to say, how can I make this actually an investment into eternity rather than just rummaging through the chaos that I'm currently feeling? Can anyone identify with that? But the longer that I've known the Lord, the more that I have studied in the scriptures, I have realized the power of the gospel is not just for saving after death. It is absolutely a holistic saving power by the blood of Jesus for the believer now and into eternity. Therefore, eternal life is so much more than just the afterlife. And because believers have a lack of understanding and revelation of the power of the gospel for the here and now and for the holistic benefits of the cross, we have slumbered into a cultural Christianity that just presents duties and presents a, a, a watered-down power to us. We've closed the open heavens that are accessed through the veil being torn. We've somehow closed it in our own thinking between our ears. And it's, it's because of our own beliefs and our lack of faith. Yet God is determined to awaken us to the reality of the benefits of the cross and to fuel by the power of the Holy Spirit a passionate and purpose-filled life for every believer. A verse I keep coming back to, in fact, it was already quoted this morning. It gives so much clarity of what God's purpose is in our life. And here Jesus is speaking and declaring one of the reasons why he came. John 10.10. The thief comes, that's Satan, that's the demons, the demonic realm, evil, darkness. The thief comes only to steal and and to kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Sometimes it's as easy as looking at this verse when we are facing life's difficulties. And so often we question the goodness of God. Is God giving this cancer for a reason? Is he allowing it? Well, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I came to give life and life abundantly. If you've got a question, what does the ministry of Jesus present? All who were coming to him were healed. He didn't say, this one particular cancer, I'm going to let you have a little longer to teach you a lesson. 
So come back in a few years once you've learned that lesson. He brought the kingdom of God into this realm. Is my, is my wife leaving me and somehow God is destroying my family unit? The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come to give life and life abundantly. He is God, a God of restoration. He is a God of peace. He is a God that loves covenant. And he is not a God that is destroying your marriage. That is not who our God is. He came to give life and life abundantly. Some of us just need the sword of the spirit to divide what is from God and what is a work of darkness. We are in a spiritual war and we have to be on alert that the thief is still coming to kill, destroy, and dislocate you from your life's purpose. But God is here in this moment, even here today, to bring a, I, I can feel it, a quaking within your spirit today. He is awakening a faith within you that some of you have let slumber because of disappointment. And he's saying, nope, I am a good God, and I'm calling these things to attention again today because I am a God that wants to give you life and life abundantly. When you give your life yielded and surrendered to him, he will breathe upon it his abundant life. This is a God that we serve. We don't have to, to give in to, to, to the discouragement of the thief time and time again. Life can have a lot of pains, but Jesus came for freedom. He came for freedom in your life, for the kingdom of God to touch our lives, to heal, to save, to redeem, and to restore. That is his heart. If you are questioning what the heart of God is, it is that to heal, to redeem, to restore life and life abundantly. Through this passage alone, we can see that his desire is clear. Life is in the Son of God. Abundant life is in the Son of God. Eternal abundant life is in the Son of God. Therefore, through the absolutely free gift of salvation, not by our works, so that no man can boast. It is by his works, his finished works on the cross, the free gift of salvation. The new life we are brought into is a life of eternal abundance. And this life of eternal abundance includes clarity of purpose, absolute fulfillment, continuous moment-by-moment -moment support and strengthening and guidance by the almighty God of the universe who is also intimate with you and championing your life. This abundant life in Christ is meant to be gloriously vibrant, a life consumed with the beauty of his presence, knowing that he has made your being his very dwelling place that he fills and overflows. Eternal life is so much more than a sweet, sweet dedication to Aunt Edna as she transitions into heaven. Eternal life begins the very moment that you make a heart commitment to Jesus. Yes, Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. I will follow you, God. Make me new. Eternal life began the moment the Holy Spirit flooded your life because the very conduit of eternal life is the Holy Spirit. And I can, if I can take a moment and brag on who the Holy Spirit is, because so many of us miss out on the third person of the Trinity, lacking understanding. Maybe there's been fear of, of what the Holy Spirit is like. Maybe, maybe you've, you've seen some... Some, some things of the Holy Spirit that 
maybe we're genuine and we're a little odd, or maybe, maybe you've seen things of the Spirit that were not genuine and abuses, but the Holy Spirit is here bringing a fresh invitation today. He's the one that Jesus said, it's better, it's better that I go because the Holy Spirit is coming. He is the one that illuminates the Word of God. We're not just reading this in our own strength trying to understand Scripture. We have the helper, the teacher, the guide to help us understand in our spirits, in our minds. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the power and presence and dwelling and filling of the person of the Holy Spirit that is like a river, a river of living water into our lives that flows with new life. That river brings a resurrection power, the abundance of all that God has and all that he is into your inmost being. John 7, 38, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is the divine exchange of giving up your old life for a new life in Jesus. And part of finding your purpose in God is that it's not just for you. It's not just for you. As great as the desert fathers were hiding away in their caves, spending their time with the Lord, as great as it is to go away and say, you know, I just want to, I want to flee all the annoying humans that I'm around in my life. Church would be so much easier if it wasn't for these Christians. Just me and God, me and God. Just going to sit at home with my blanket and YouTube. It's a lot easier, less messy. Well, I got to tell you, he made you to be a river of his presence. A river. It's not just for you. The river of the Holy Spirit isn't just for your own benefit. And if you just keep your relationship with God to yourself, the truth is that soon, soon you're just going to become a stagnant pond because he's flowing into your life and it has nowhere to go. It's just going to become a stagnant pond and you're going to become very dissatisfied because you are meant to flow. You are meant to flow into the land. You are meant to flow into other people's lives. It's how he wired you. And so you start to lose the power, the vigor of the spirit operating through you. But the mighty river of the Holy Spirit is meant to touch others through your life and ministry. In my own life, I, I have got to say that this is absolutely true. Like I said, I became a believer at a very young age. I wanted to be a missionary into a far off land. I was like, put me on one of those little yellow planes and I will go into the bush and I will find a tribesman and I will tell him about Jesus. Send me, I will go. That was me. I'll, I'll be radical God. Wherever you send me, I will go. If I need to learn a language for 20 years and, and, and learn how to translate scripture for an unknown, Reach people group, I will do it. I was willing. And the Lord said, Los Angeles. So I'd like to say that you, you are all my wild ones out here. That It's good. The wildlings of LA. I love, I love the LA wildlings. I, 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 I don't know if this is good or bad, but I called you cats this week. I said, it's like herding cats. They get really close and then they hide under the bed. But... It's all right. I'm working with you. I love you. 
Just come out from under the bed. It's gonna be okay. And I remember a time where I was getting so filled up. I was in Bible school and I was like getting so much information and singing songs. And like, you're, we're not meant to just let it become a stagnant pond. It needs to go somewhere. And I remember a day that the, the Holy Spirit gripped my life. And I had had some encounters with the Holy Spirit at a younger age, but he came crashing in one day and I've never been the same since. God is a wild God. He's a gentleman, but he'll also knock you off your donkey. He might even blind you with some mist. I don't know. He's wild. Wild for the wild ones of LA. But I remember that a fresh motivation and fire came into me when I started seeing that God will use me. Use me. Because I am simply a lightning rod of heaven. I might not feel it, I might not even fully believe it, but I started stepping out and said, okay, if I really am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit really lives in me, doesn't he want to do something through me? And I started praying for the sick and I started seeing people physically healed. And I started going to Trader Joe's and and feeling a small little prompting to talk to someone. And all of a sudden they're crying on aisle four, right by the frozen rice. Do you realize that we are made for the frozen rice section at Trader Joe's? Do you realize that God is like, he's like constantly trying to be like, hey, Tommy, yep, I want you right now. Yep, stop your tasks. I know you're 15 minutes late. Stop your tasks. Stop for the one. I got something to flow through you. And I know you're not in the zone today. I know you're not feeling it. But guess who's feeling it? Father God. And I got to tell you, sometimes the most incredible miracles happen when I'm not feeling it. I might even be in a little funk. I might be like, oh, it's a little cloudy on the west side today. Just wish I was back in bed. And he's like, yep, right now. Like, I, I wasn't four hours in a worship service and then prayed for someone. It's like, that's the point. It's because he gets to show off. I don't get to show off. But I have to tell you, when you start seeing the fire of God spread like wildfire, it's contagious. It's contagious to those that you interact with, and it's contagious to yourself. Because in the kingdom of God, whatever you eat, you become more hungry for. Whatever you drink, you become more hungry for, more thirsty for in the kingdom of God. And so when you start to see God move in different ways... And maybe you pray for someone, you step out and they don't get physically healed, but they still have a love encounter with Jesus in that moment. That's what matters. It's not about your performance. It's about, are you being faithful? Because the faithful one will show up how he wants to show up. And I got to tell you that we are meant to be a contagious people. We are meant to be the most joyful, the most peace-filled, the most confident, the most steady people walking the planet because that's who he is. And that's the kingdom of God alive within us. I mean, this happened the other night. We, we had baptisms at my home and my living room was filled with people giving testimony of what Jesus has done in their life and wanting to be baptized. You know, I, I could have been like, Oh, you know, it's halfway through the week. I'm a little tired, but you put forth a little bit of effort. You clean up the house, 
you blow up the tub in the back, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so worth it because my heart is coming alive hearing the testimony of Jesus that is pumping through people's veins. And in turn, we get, we get to benefit as well. It's being a river of God in your life, letting him flow through you and watch the increase of what takes place. And maybe a challenge for you and, and myself today is maybe you're not in your most in, on fire for Jesus season. Just adopt by faith that the Holy Spirit is a mighty river of abundant life running through you. And begin taking moments where you simply show up and pray for someone that maybe, maybe that's part of getting you out of your stagnant pond lifestyle because it's his grace at work. I'm going to speak about this later, but his righteousness is in you and it's not dependent on your behavior. Did you know that you are already clean if you're a believer in Jesus? You are already righteous. Therefore, engage with the reality of your true nature and begin letting the river flow through you. It very well might, might just awaken you from your stagnation. This is another clear and powerful part of your purpose. Why was I born? Yes, to know God with intimate love and affection, but I was also born to be a carrier of his power and his presence of the Holy Spirit into the earth, bringing the kingdom of God into this earthly realm. We are a kingdom people. He calls us kings and priests in the kingdom of God. That is not meant to be an arrogant statement. We rule we rule as those like Jesus, servant leaders. We are those that wash the feet that we are with. Kings and priests in the kingdom, we minister first and foremost to him. God, this life is for you. I am ministering to you. And in turn, we are also ministering to those around us. And we bring the ministry of reconciliation into each and every setting that we enter. What we see and experience is in the heavenly realms, we bring it to earth through our lives. Believers should be those that are the most joy-filled and peace-filled, rock-solid, the ones with the most laughter. I'm okay with that as your pastor. You can be the ones with the most laughter in L.A., the ones that are blitzed out with love for Jesus because we know God and we are walking in eternal, abundant life in and with him. This is supposed to be a contagious kind of Christianity. And perhaps it's time to let go of some of those things in the way, in the way of this kind of life. Or perhaps we need the truth of the gospel to set that fire again in our hearts and, and to return to our first love. There are way too many individuals who say that they know Jesus and follow him, but they're walking around judging and sulking and gossiping and living maybe just a little bit, a small little step above what the world looks like. We need a fresh awakening to the power of the gospel and a fresh encounter with Jesus today. And so when I'm speaking about eternal life, I want to expand on the power of the gospel in our lives. One comment I kept getting last week was the clarity of the gospel that cut so good. You know that cutting that feels so good when you're reading? It's like every time you open Proverbs, you're like, that is cutting me good. That is, that is convicting convicting good. There's something about that when God speaks in that kind of clarity that we're made for. It's actually refreshing. And so for a few minutes, I just want to end with this part, a little, a little theology. I know we're slightly over time. We went a little over. That's okay. I'm going to try to be, I'm just going to try to hit this one bit. 
I want to look at what he took us out of and what he placed us into. What have we been pulled out of in our salvation? What have we been saved from? Saved from what? We love to say in cultural Christianity, Christianity that we're saved. You know, I heard that Patricia is dating a new guy. And the first question that we have in Christian culture is, is he saved? It's like one of the ways that we identify if someone's a follower of Jesus. And, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with saying, are they saved? But do we even have an understanding of what we're saved from? I think that everyday believers would say, if we ask them, yeah, I'm, I'm saved from eternal death. I'm saved from separation from God. I'm saved from the penalty of sin. And that is a great start. But let's look at the original language of salvation in Greek, the original language of the New Testament, to get a better understanding of what we are saved from. Because the power of God's salvation is a threefold salvation. And this threefold salvation is given to us simply by believing and receiving by faith. The Greek word for salvation here is soteria. It's God's salvation. It speaks of his rescue, which delivers believers out of destruction and into his safety. The literal meaning of soteria is rescue, deliver, save, to bring health both physically and morally. Once again, this salvation is so much more than just the afterlife. It is a holistic salvation that touches the human life in body, soul, and spirit. First, Thess first that's a tongue twister. First Thessalonians 5, <laughs> verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. What we can draw from scriptures like this is that each person is made up of spirit, soul. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions, and a physical body. In relation to that, in relationship to that, I want to look at three main terms used in Scripture that describe our salvation. And these three main terms are justification, sanctification, and glorification. These are kind of big words, and we're going to touch, just a little touch on them today. So throughout Scripture, these words are used to describe God's saving work. Justification is used when saving our spirits. Sanctification is used when saving our souls. And glorification is used when saving our bodies. And you'll find that these terms in the word salvation are used interchangeably throughout Scripture. God's salvation is the saving and transformative power of his righteousness that makes you entirely new. Spirit, soul, and body. You are completely saved. There is no good dog and bad dog within you. Your heart is new. It is no longer a heart that is wicked and deceitful above all things. You are no longer a wretch. You are no longer a sinner. You are called a saint by his saving grace. He has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness and all of the effects of sin and all of the effects of, of the fall in the garden, all of the death, the sickness, the pain, and the effects of that fall. So let's look for a moment at justification. Justification is God's righteousness gifted and imparted to our spirit, dealing with the penalty of our sin, which is death. This is a legal term, 
When God justifies us, he declares us righteous in his sight. It's just as if, justified, just as if I had never sinned. It's one way that the word justified has been explained. God not only forgives us, not only does he see and forgive us, but he sees it as if we had never sinned at all. He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. And in its position, he places in that place, in that divine exchange, he brings the perfect righteousness of Christ. That alone is the gospel, isn't it? Come on, Jesus. It's so good. All right. Sanctification. God's righteousness imparted to our soul which deals with the power of sin or the law. For now, in short, the word sanctification is related to the word saint. Both words have to do with holiness. To sanctify something is to set it apart for special use. To sanctify a person is to make him or her holy. And finally, glorification. God's righteousness imparted to our bodies, our bodies that deals with the presence of sin. Glorification is God's final removal of sin from the life of his saints. Everyone who is saved in the eternal state. When Jesus comes again, the glory of God, his honor, the praise, the majesty and holiness will be realized in us to its fullness. Instead of being just mortals who are burdened with sin, we will be changed into holy immortals with direct and unhindered access to God's presence. And we will enjoy the fullness of holy communion with him throughout eternity. This is that triune salvation of God at work in the life of a believer. Every effect of sin and death is dealt with by his righteousness. Romans 1.17, for in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Meaning through the gospel, we are saved by grace from sin in our spirit, our soul, and our body being made righteous. Someone say hallelujah. It's important for me to note that when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, that that is the initiation of the kingdom of God in our life into eternal life, the covenant union with him by the Holy Spirit. It is only by grace through faith in the Son of God who loves us and gave himself for us. It is by believing and receiving by faith his work on the cross. And when we make that decision, when you make the most important decision of your life, God, by the Holy Spirit, applies the blood of Jesus to our inmost being. That blood of Jesus makes us clean, righteous, pure, white as snow, just as pure as Jesus himself. Romans 4.24, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. This is what initiates you into the new covenant and gives us access through an intimate relational connection to experience these two other aspects of salvation. God has imputed to us a big word, basically meaning he has credited to your account the righteousness of Christ to our spirits. And, and through the sealing of the Holy Spirit, we can be assured that we will live with him forever. As a work of the Holy Spirit, 
When I was, when I was a little kid, I, I went through a season where I was terrified that I wasn't going to be in heaven forever. I was like seven years old, and it just was like a couple weeks. I was just riddled with fear, and we prayed, Holy Spirit, you promise a sealing by your spirit, a, a knowing that only comes from you. And literally something broke, lifted, and shifted. And I've never since probably age six or seven have doubted the, the reality and the presence and my eternal security with the Lord. That's what he does by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what are we saved into then? I want to end with this. What are we saved into? He saves us into a new covenant. He saves us into intimacy with him. He brings us into a family. And perhaps the greatest part of family is that we are adopted into God's family, where we can cry out that you are my Abba. You are my father. That is one of the greatest benefits of salvation, that we are known and we are secure as a child of God. That's our identity. And I want to say that with adoption, even in the natural, when you see sometimes kids that are adopted into families, if, if they're a little bit older, they've gone through mindsets of, of fear, of being um, moved around. You might even see a, a child that's been adopted, like hide his food or, or um, really struggle with trust and, and, and accepting unconditional love. Very similarly, when we are adopted into God's family, there is a sanctification process that takes place where we are renewing our minds, where God is showing us to learn trust in our lives, where we're not stuck with an orphan mentality, but we know that we are God's, God's children and secure in his family. And that is one of the greatest benefits of knowing God, that we are adopted, brought into his family, and that he walks with us into our identity as true sons and daughters of the living God. Another benefit, Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. You can, you can live free of shame. That is a massive benefit of life. <laughs> that is a big plus. That is awesome. <laughs> Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. And so in 1 Peter chapter 2, he's actually also quoting Isaiah 53, that Jesus himself brought our sins in his body up on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And it says, by his wounds, you were healed. We're healed, past tense. And the, the Greek language here is actually clearly pointing to physical healing, not just emotional or spiritual. So it's incredibly clear that he took our sins and he took our sickness and he gave us healing. And so we're still learning to walk in the fullness, full of faith, seeing the greater things uh, of Jesus moving in the miraculous and in healing. We, we see it when Jesus walked the planet, and we're going after it today, aren't we? The, the fullness of what Jesus paid for by his death and resurrection. He was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. Jesus was, was rejected so that we can be fully accepted. He gave us a new and divine nature. John G. Lake, um, the famous apostle of the early 1900s, says, the secret to the Christian life is not in doing, it's in being. And so as a born-again believer, we are given, given an entire new divine nature from God himself. This is the supernatural power of the gospel, that God gave us his very own nature. He gave us his righteousness. Therefore, our focus merely needs to be communing with the Father abiding in the vine, connecting with him, letting the fruitfulness come from being that that is connected to the vine itself. That is what abiding is. 
And as we stay connected, as we stay in fellowship, there is a natural fruitfulness that comes into our lives. So it becomes less and less about duty. It becomes less about, less about trying to avoid temptation and trying really hard not to sin and trying really hard to be a good boy and trying to be a really good Christian and trying and trying and exhausting yourself just trying to be clean. And he says the real motivation is love. The real motivation is relationship with the Father. The real motivation is as you spend time with him, abiding with him, letting go, yielding that nourishment, that new focus, that refreshment, your affections begin to change. Your mind begins to be renewed. You start to want to crave holiness and the things of this world. You don't want it anymore. It's lost its appeal. It doesn't mean that you won't have days where you need to stand up in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and have self-control. But even that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so somewhere, especially in charismatic theology, we've separated it. Like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to abide, but then gets smacked over the head with sin. We have to do both, abiding with him, but knowing when we are tempted into sin, that we have the power of God and the righteousness of God operating in our lives and that he has given you the grace to conquer the thing. So we still have to arise as warriors when, when things are coming our way, when the arrows come. And so I want to conclude with this. My hope is that as the power of the gospel is revealed in us, we can find our purpose in Christ as sons and daughters, abiding in him, communing with him, letting him flow through us, that that true purpose is our new posture. When we understand the glory of the good news, you will be automatically have an increase fueled by the Holy Spirit. It's the beginning, middle, and end point of our lives. And may we never grow tired of the beauty and mystery of this newfound life in him. It's time for us to tune in. It's time for us to live with this constant realization that this eternal life of Jesus, this abundant life of Jesus is very present in a reality. It's here. And we're meant to simply abide with the one who is abundant, eternal life named Jesus. And through this union, we more and more effortlessly let the river of God wash in and through us and touch those around us. Would you guys go ahead and stand up with me? Can I have the ministry team come forward? Can I have Louisa play? I know we're a touch behind today. It's worth it, right? God, God, is, God is worth messing up our schedules sometimes. Maybe all the time. Let's go with all the time. Yeah, if you've been feeling even just a leaping within your spirit and you're like, what has been happening today, hearing these testimonies, hearing people that, that have seen the fullness of God move in their lives in, in certain ways, and those that are still in process, those, those that don't have it even all figured out in their minds yet, but their heart is saying yes. That's the power of the Holy Spirit operating. And in, in a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this up for the ministry team to minister and 
for those that are wanting to give their life to Jesus, the altar is open to you. This, this, you know, sometimes we raise hands. Sometimes there's, there's not necessarily one way to do this, but he's inviting you in. He's always inviting you into relationship with him. And today would be an incredible day to give your life to Jesus. And so in a moment, I'm gonna have you come forward and meet with one of these individuals. We're also seeing the fullness of the gospel, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And so if you need physical healing in your body, and maybe you're like, I didn't even realize that, that the atonement paid for the healing of my sickness. Today could be a day that we apply the power of the stripes of Jesus upon his back to your situation, to your body, and to see the beauty of Jesus heal your body today. Whatever you have need of, God is so good and gracious to meet you in that place. And so I'm gonna open it up in just a moment. Would you guys pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for the power of the good news of Jesus and the kingdom of God. We thank you that we are starting the year with sharpened focus of what it's all about. Coming back to our number one purpose, coming back to our number one passion. And God, in the areas of our life where we've made it about anything else, we even repent from those things and say, God, forgive us where we've made it about anything else. And we just come back to you. We come back to you and we lay, lay down any of those hindrances, any of those false cares and worries, the areas that we've been knotted, the areas that, that feel of immense frustration because we're trying in our own strength. And we just come to you, Jesus. We come to you and we, we say, show us how to abide. Show us how to how to, how to live in rich relationship with the Father. Show us how to, to see the power of the Holy Spirit operating as we read scripture, as we pray, as we commune with others, that we could be that river of God into the nations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.